welcome to Living the Dream Acting the Podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, I'm Christina, and on this podcast, I track down interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen, including artists like myself who live outside of New York and LA, where the rules of the business can sometimes be a little different. I cover getting started, not giving up, and inspiration for actors all around the globe who are trying to live their artistic dreams. Please join our community by liking us on Facebook, by leaving a comment on my website, livingthedreamacting.com, and by following me on Twitter at Artist Dreams. That's at Artist underscore Dreams. On today's episode, we head to San Diego to talk with actress and entrepreneur Brenda Edelman. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. For me, for 2016, has been the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. I cannot tell you how many great, exciting things I had planned for the first of the year, and then I just kept getting hit over and over and over again with unexpected delays, challenges. Uh, I had computer crashing problems, financial problems, just other unexpected issues that caused me to have to temporarily shift my priorities. But um, on a positive note, the podcast is back, not in January with a bang, but in May with a bang. And that's fine with me because May is my favorite month. It's uh, the month of my birthday, and it's also the month that my son was born. I'll tell you artistically what I've been working on is I'm actually working on a one-woman show um, with a coach who is our guest today, Brenda Edelman. I also attended a two-day Shakespeare intensive with a professional Shakespearean actor, Scott Coopwood, and he just finished up a production of Macbeth at Berkeley Rep with Francis McDormand and Conleth Hill, who plays Lord Varys in Game of Thrones. So um, I was, that was really great. Um, I learned more about Shakespeare in two days than I did in the whole time I was in college. It was pretty great. And uh, we'll be bringing Scott on the podcast very soon. And next weekend, this is the weekend of May 1st right now. So next weekend, I'll be performing in a play reading for this year's Little Black Dress Project in Sedona, which um, features female playwrights and uh, putting their work on stage. These are short 10-minute plays. And I'll be um, playing opposite Jeff Masters, and the production will be, uh, my reading anyway, will be directed by Jared McGuire. So if you're local or you want to travel, get in touch with me for more information on that performance. And that's about it for right now. I'm just really excited to jump into our interview. So um, this is actress, author, producer, and forgiveness coach, Brenda Edelman. Brenda has built a lot of success around a one-woman show that she created. She originally created it as a acting a project in an acting class and um, something that came out of her journaling and writing to heal her own life. She had a very Shakespearean, Hamlet-like experience. Um, uh, experienced quite a tragedy. Her father 
shot and killed her mother. And then afterwards, um, her father married uh, her mother's sister very, very shortly after that incident happened. And as you can imagine, that changed her life from that point forward. But what Brenda has done is really turned that around and used it as an opportunity to um, create a, a life for herself that revolves around this theme of forgiveness. So we're going to talk about that as well as um, acting, um, booking agents, making money um, through your work. Um, we don't talk about that enough. We're always talking about art and, and being true to our art, and that is so important. But a lot of us are doing this also with the, if we're not making money, that the, the idea that we want to make money. So I'm really glad we're going to talk more about that. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited. So let's get to it. Here is Brenda Edelman. We want to start with your the beginning of your journey as a performer specifically and then also where that's taken you over time so can you tell us how you first fell in love with performing i love that question actually you know i was lucky i grew up in brooklyn which was you know still close to new york city and my mother absolutely loved broadway plays so she started taking me to broadway plays when i was little, teeny, tiny, tiny, and uh, so I started, um, you know, like on weekends, she would take me in, and when I was like, I don't know, three years old, something like that, I, I, I got to see Danny Kaye, and Ethel <laughs> Merman, like these, uh, Cal Channing, like all these crazy, amazing actors, wow. and I just remember, it just lighting me up, and um, and then I remember seeing Fiddler on the Roof, and we would wait backstage and get autographs. And oh, it's just like this magical world going into the theater and being transported someplace else. So I really fell in love with uh, acting then and, and performers. I just thought how amazing they were that they could transform themselves into anybody. And, um, and then <clears throat> I, my mom actually enrolled me <laughs> in a <clears throat> tap dancing and singing school in New York City. And, um, I think I was, I was like six years old. Went there when I was six, and I think I might have gone there then when I was eight or something like that. And as, as part of the program, I got to perform in Carnegie Recital Hall, the, the smaller hall right next to Carnegie Hall. And again, it was just so magical to be on stage singing, and I don't know, I, I, I maybe it's a cliche or something, but I remember when we moved from, you know, rehearsing to going onto this big stage and hearing the applause, and it was just so much fun. It was like being one with the audience, and that's how I fell in love with it. And then, <clears throat> jumped to, you know, becoming a teenager, and I really, 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 really wanted to act, but like so many girls, I just started questioning myself and doubting myself, and so instead of pursuing acting, I studied stage crew when I was in high school. To kind of just stay in the feeling of theater, you know, and I would mm-hmm. make costumes, and it was just so great because it was such a collaboration. So that's how I fell in love with it. And then um, when I was when I graduated from high uh, from college, my brother was living in 
Europe at the time, and he had directed and was um, was in uh, one of, uh, I'm sorry, he wrote a play and was directing a play, and he invited me to come be a stage manager, and then an actor dropped out, and then they asked me to step up and go into acting, which really was my first love. And so we went on tour throughout Austria, we from Indiana and toured throughout Austria, and again, I just loved the whole community of it, and, and this play was political, and it was changing lives. It, it really was. And so when I came back to New York, I started studying at the top classes, and also I moved to L.A., I started studying at the top classes, got into theater, did some films, short films, industrial, things like that, and lo and behold, and I didn't know this would happen, um, then when my, my mother died, suddenly and tragically, in uh, 1995, uh, I, well, let me back up for a second. I also, my mother also took me to Shakespeare plays and read Shakespeare to me as a bedtime story from the time I was like three years old. So I really had this amazing um, like entrance into the world of the arts. And so then my mother, how to say it, so my mother was murdered by my father and married, um, and then he married my mother's sister, and it wasn't lost on me that it was Shakespearean and in scope, and that it was like Hamlet's life. And part of my healing happened very naturally was that I started writing down my thoughts and my feelings, and um, and it gave me solace knowing that a character in history, in, a, in Shakespeare's book, lived through something like what I lived through, and it actually helped me to move out of my despair. And then, uh, being in one of the good classes, and one of the best classes in, in L.A. at the time, I started writing my story into a scene with no desire to have it be a one-person show. Emotionally, I was like, oh, my God, I don't really want to really know this is about me. But I started writing it into a scene because I knew how to write scenes, how to write dialogue. And uh, based on my life story, and um, it just did a simple, simple, a very personal exercise in acting class about what happened. I, you know, created the characters. It was me, my brother, my father, my mother. And what I got was not only, um, well, I got a standing ovation for about 10 minutes. You got to understand, I was hiding until that point, hiding behind mm-hmm. the characters, hiding in my life. But got a standing ovation, and then after the class, Several people came up to me, and they were so floored, but it had opened something up in them that they needed to heal, and they needed to move forward with. And um, and then the director came over to me in class and wanted to direct me, and it kind of had a snowball effect. And and that, you know, half an hour, I think it might have been a 10-minute scene the first time, um, turned into what is now a one-woman show that I've traveled the world with and have um, affected way over 11,000 people and uh, made a lot of money with and really has changed a lot of lives, including my own, because I found that inhabiting the characters in my story helped me to forgive them, see them as full human beings. And um, uh, alongside that, I went and got a master's degree in social psychology so I could heal myself so that on stage I'm like a clear vessel and I play all my characters all out. So it was incredibly healing for me on many levels, full self-expression, and then when I travel with the show, when I perform, there are always people that are touched deeply, and it's life-changing, and, and when I can, I actually offer a workshop on how to forgive, which is the message of my show. 
So there you go. <laughs> that's and your there's other things too, but that's the short version. <laughs> yeah, that's your journey in a nutshell. I know there your 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 story very specifically as an artist is is so connected to this idea of theater as a tool for healing. It's it's yeah. almost like except for the that very beginning when you were a child, you almost can't separate your experience with your family from your love of theater and then how how you actually were was you were able to use theater and performance as a way to heal family issues but also the brilliant part of it is just then take turning that around and offering it as a your story as a giveaway to other people and that it's yeah. actually created an opportunity for you know financial income for you and abundance um it's so it's you know, a lot of times when we're talking about acting specifically, we're talking about, oh, you know, I just really, people are like, I just really love telling stories and I, you know, portraying other people, becoming other characters, being out in the world, um, you know, having this opportunity to play and then hopefully play for money. But yours is such a, such an intricately woven part of your life. And uh, it's just, just that in itself is such an incredible story. Now, but I know too that even though you, um, you, you know, we talk more about what you do and the work you do with other people, but you also, uh, you also are still performing when you can, um, outside of that, that work that you do, right? Okay. <laughs> Yes, I am, and I've done that, uh, I've kind of done that all along. Uh, well, I was really excited that I got to produce VJ for several years and empower other women and, um, you know, again, tap into my message, which is Eve Ensler's message, which is to, you know, raise awareness about violence and stop violence against girls and women worldwide, which, of course, can stop violence all over. Um, but I've been, I've been in many, plays and done commercials, um, industrial, things like that. And I, you know, finally after years, because most, most of my acting or most of my fulfillment from my acting was in my show. But uh, last year, I decided to audition for a, 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 a play with other people. I was <laughs> I wanted to work with other people. I wanted to play with other people. Yeah. And I got well, a lead role in a, an awesome play called Sunset Park. And then... Um, that was so much fun. And then, you know, just, I feel like even if you have a one-person show, it's great to keep your chops up and we'll also get paid uh, when you can. And um, and then I just got cast again at that same theater as the lead in Skin D. So for me, it's like, you know, the thing about a one-person show, for because I do teach people how to create their own one-person shows and how to have success with it, is that it's somewhat of a solitary process if you're not, in an acting class, let's say, or working with a coach. And so I really encourage people who are creative, and most creative people are like this, is that they have many talents and many passions. I encourage um, them, like I do for myself, to just jump on board and get involved in other things that will keep your creative juices flowing. And so that's what acting in other uh, roles does for me, especially when they're maybe, maybe, maybe roles, like the one I have coming up, uh, you know, where I just kind of get to be all of me. And it is kind of funny, though, because my show is, you know, about where does life and art come together, or, or even where is the separation? 
it's so funny because the play that I was just cast of is a Brooklyn girl like I am, and she you knows she's got a lot of very similar things to me. So it's like, <laughs> interesting because it's still me, but yet it's through, you know, it's like a part of me, but uh, written through somebody else's words. Right. So the thing about a one-person show, though, is it really is a way that you can kind of excavate every part of you and every talent you have and every part of you that wants to be big and bold and, and put it in the characters and write it to showcase yourself and be completely fulfilled. I think when I wrote it, my show wasn't about showcasing myself, really. It was like, this is all I know how to do, and this is incredibly healing, and it was just this passion and this need to do it, um, you know, and that's really the right way to, I, I believe it's the right way to create stuff. It's not about, oh, who's going to be impressed by this or how much money am I going to make? However, what I teach my students is how they can start making money sooner than I did, you know, because so many people when they're first uh, creating their own shows, they're like just so happy and surprised people are interested. But the thing is, if you have something excellent and you've poured everything into it, people will be interested because a lot of people start things, but they don't finish them. And so as soon as I started to, to learn that I had something, I had a vehicle, and then I had a vehicle that other people could make money from, it took me a while, but then I was like, oh, yeah, I should be making more money. You know, I mean, um, the beginning... It was just uh, the first person to produce me. It was just uh, what was made. Well, she helped develop the show for free. I will say that. And then performed in her her theater for five weeks. And she made all of the door. And, you know, it was fine because, I mean, it was a trade. She helped me develop the show into a longer piece. But in hindsight, it's one of the things I teach. You know, she would pay the writers of her, the plays that she produced. She wouldn't pay the actors because it was a small theater, but I was the writer. And so in hindsight, I, I could have come in saying, well, you know what? I am the writer, so I should get a portion of the door or something. But, you know, those are like the little things you learn as you go along. Right. And I imagine, too, that's a huge part of, the, obviously, um, the stress level of running your own one person show as opposed to, you know, doing, doing plays and films with other people. <laughs> you know, when you, when you get to go back and just be an actress, you're just being an actress. You don't have to worry about, you know, who's got a cut of the door, who's, yeah, what's going on with publicity, what's, you know, you can do your own stuff, but yeah, I mean, that's a, there's a huge, um, responsibility factor there. And I imagine a huge learning curve over the years too. Uh, it's a huge learning curve, but it's almost like, you know, it's like you can go get a job or you can work for yourself, right? Because I'm a solo business owner, too, as far as you know. I I also am a coach, and I also have programs, so I have that producer hat on. And the alternative is I can go get a job someplace that I probably wouldn't doing, be doing exactly what I love to be doing, and I wouldn't be on, on purpose. And the thing with acting is... That's easier said than done because it is true as an actor, just an actor, you can go and act, but how many people act and get no money at all? So it's like your alternative is like, right. go, get a, go act, but you're not getting paid. It's like as, if you have something that it really showcases you and makes a difference, and there's a message, it's, uh, it's almost like it's your job to put the producer hat on until you... Until, and even if you can find a manager or someone like that who can do the business stuff for you. I'll tell you, for me, I only used a manager once, and 
uh, I wouldn't say she's manager, she's a booking manager, and I was really looking, like so many actors are, they're like, I don't want to do this producing stuff, I want someone else to do it, which is a pipe dream, I think, because um, I haven't really seen that happen. I haven't, and I know a lot of one uh, solo show performers, they don't really get a booking agent. Once you get it to a certain level, absolutely, because, you know, the booking agent's in it. If they're a good booking agent, they're in it for the money. So if you can show you've got stuff, and um, but it's, it's a hard business because if they don't know what they're doing, they're not going to be able to get you work, and you really are your best advocate because you can talk yourself up to everyone. But when I used the booking agent, and I'm very glad I did, I met her at a conference, and um, my hope, like everybody else's, was like, oh, great, I'm more than happy to give her 20% of whatever I get because she's going to, you know, find me jobs. And then the real reality of it, when I um, spoke with her, is that she really didn't have the in to get people jobs. Like, I don't know if the market changed or, you know, you don't really know what people's businesses are like. But what, she, what I did do is that I had gotten a booking because someone saw me do my show and they contacted me and they were asking me how much my rates are and stuff like that. And I hired her. I paid her 10%, which, uh, because she didn't find the job. I paid her 10%, but what she did is she got my fees up from $2,500 for a show to $3,500 for a show. So I gave her $350, but I made so much more money on that. And so that was great in that case because it is hard to pitch yourself. It is hard to say, this is what I charge and that's it, you know, where she didn't have the emotions. She could just say, this is a great show. If you want it, this is what you do. But, you know, I already did the show and proved myself. So um, that was great, you know. As far as the market out there right now, as far as having people who can be booking agents, I don't really know what's out there. But um, but there is a lot of work you can get on your own. And, and a lot of my high-paid work has been because someone has seen the show and then recommended me to a board member of another group. Hmm. So a lot of it was word of mouth connections, do yeah. you think, that yeah. sort of got and then you, you going? But then where you have to step up as the actor is you have to put your producing hat on. And when you talk to them, you have to, you know, come up with, well, how much are you, how much would you like to be paid? How much is in their budget? You know, you have to ask questions instead of just going back into the actor who takes direction. You have to be like, well, how many people are coming to your conference? How much are they paying? You know, if you find out pretty much what their budget is so that you don't devalue yourself. Hmm. I love that. <laughs> instead of sitting back as the passive actor. Yeah. You've got to yeah. put that hat on. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What yeah. In general... You know, like, if we sort of going back to the beginning a little bit, because when I, I think when I first met you, uh, in 2004, uh, I know, right. yeah, we were in an acting wow. class. I know. <laughs> we were in an uh. acting, we were in an acting class together, and I knew that you had a show, and, but at that point, were you, intentionally focused uh, on, you know, touring and, and building that at that time or had that developed yeah. later on? Actually, that's so funny. I wasn't. I, um, I had only done the show, I think I put it up twice before then. Uh, I had that run in, in Los Angeles when I lived there. And then right before I left Los Angeles, I actually took, I actually took a couple of years off to, get my master's degree in spiritual psychology and, and heal myself. Because the first run of my show, I saw so many issues around my father. and So, like, I'd do the show and people would be laughing and crying, but then I'd go home and be like, 
miserable. Oh. <laughs> you know, I had me on my dinner stuff. So I found this great program that was two years, really healed myself, and um, and then came back and and was accepted into the LA Women's Theater Festival. I did one performance, and but then I moved out of LA. And so when I moved out of LA, I really thought I wasn't going to be acting because you know you're an actress, but they said you have to be in LA. <laughs> and, um, yeah, why? Can you tell? Can you share with I, us why you left LA specifically? Or oh, well, actually, I, I left LA. It was a personal thing. My my ex was having uh, health challenges uh, mm. with her immune system, and uh, we actually lived in Playa del Rey, which is kind of near the airport, and uh, and her doctor said, you know, that's not good for your immune system, and and basically what it came down to is um, we sold our condo, and the market was fantastic, but then we're like, oh, where are we going to buy, <laughs> you know, because now everything's so expensive, and um. And we went to Sedona on a vacation, and I just fell in love with it. It was, and I was really working with my inner process because I'm very about, I'm a lot about synchronicity, following my energy. I just knew there was something for me in Sedona. It made no sense because I was an actress, but I just fell in love with it, and I was like, yeah, this, I think this is where we should move. Yeah, you got and, the red uh, rock. You got the red rock fever, as we call it. I yeah. did. Yeah, I got the red rock fever, and uh, of course, Sedona, living in Sedona is one of the best definitely a highlight of my life, and so that's how we ended up moving there, and then I thought I probably wouldn't be acting, but then as things would have it, you know, um, people found out about my show, I must have talked about it or something, and, um, you know, and then I got it produced by the theater in town, and then I got it produced by that, there was a commune there, I got produced by them, and there was the, um, the international film school there, and someone did a documentary on me, and then you know, one thing led to another, and uh, the domestic violence community had seen my show. They attended the conference, and and then really, uh, you know, the domestic violence advocates, uh, you know, getting rid of domestic violence, and, and the trainers and uh, and the coalition found out about my work, and then I was hired a lot because one person would see my show, and another person would tell someone else about it, stuff like that. Same thing with child advocates. So I ended up doing my show and being paid really well and making such a difference. And um, what I loved about it is that I got paid really well, so that also allowed me to volunteer sometimes or do something with, like, I remember doing a peace vigil. I got paid $100, really. Um, but I was able to do that because I was, I, I didn't do my whole show, but I remember being there because I, I had been paid well in other places, so I could volunteer. And that's always been important to me. In 2007, I did my show in New York City. Um, I was hired to do the show, but then I also was able to do, uh, you know, an open mic night at a friend's cafe, which I, putting my message out there is what's so important to me. So it's really great to be able to know you have something you can make money with so that you can also volunteer as well. At least that's, that's what, um, for me, makes it different. Yes, and tell, share with us. I know a little bit about this, but you've you've actually performed your show, um, you know, nationally, internationally. What are some? Where are some of the places that you've performed? It's so funny. I had my, my website up before because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I actually performed at the Leeds International uh, Performing Arts Festival, Leeds, England, and that was because someone saw me do my show in Vienna, Austria, like two years before and recommended me. 
to the person. So I didn't like do research and look for festivals. They found me, and then of course, and this is where I teach my students. I was ready because I had to then submit material. I had to submit a, a videotape, which I had, and then there was a board who approved it. But I was ready with all that, so that was amazing. And through that, someone knew a producer in London. So I guess produced. I guess do my show for a three-week run in London, which is incredible. Um, I perf- I've performed there. I have a list of things. I've performed in Michigan. I have performed all over California, from, you know, Pasadena to Hollywood to San Francisco to L.A. to San Diego, um, a great place called The Marsh in San Francisco, which is a wonderful place for one-person shows. Um, I don't even remember how that one came about, except it was on my list. Like, I had, I kept seeing the name The Marsh, and then I think I must have, I think I must have just committed to them. And finally, you know, I was ready. I had a lot of stuff to back it up. Um, let's see. Uh, lots of places. Celebration Theater in L.A., of course, Canyon Theater in Sedona. New York City. I performed in several places. The opening of a, of a theater in Brooklyn. I got to see that. And the Hollywood Theater Festival. I was picked as the best the best perform a couple of years ago. That was fantastic. And uh, then I have performed for Youth at Risk in Hawaii. And I also have performed for many spiritual communities all over, including um, Mexico, Hawaii, and all these other states, Oklahoma. <laughs> like, the list, goes, the list does go on. Um, and then the diversity is, you know, I've performed for women prisoners, um, from my show and taught a workshop on self-forgiveness and um, like I said, for youth at risk, the U.S. military. I think they found me online from my website, the military, and again, it was about, well, I had a trailer of my show online. I don't know what they Googled, maybe forgiveness or something, so I, I teach my students, you know, always come up with your message because that's how you'll connect with people who want to hire you. So that's the end of episode seven featuring Brenda Edelman. I hope you enjoyed it and that you're looking forward to part two of this episode. And if you love the podcast, please feel free to write a review and rate it on iTunes. I'm Christina Kipper. Yeah, I think I'm, I think it's just, it's about time to drop the Halstead. We'll have to work on that. It's my former married name. So I'm Christina Kipper and thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.